1: Well, hey, welcome back everybody. I love doing these podcasts because I've got one goal in life and that is to love Jesus intimately and then the second goal is to help people know him and and walk out the abundant life that he promised us. And we do that through story, through testimony, through talking about the scriptures. And I am thrilled today to have my buddy Mick Murray with me. Um, Mick is one of our pastors here on staff, but he and Drew Stedman, I do a podcast called Ideology, um, dealing with the waters that we're swimming in in our culture. And that's been so helpful for so many people. So early on, unashamedly, I want to point you there. Um, But hey, today, Mick and I want to just dialogue a a little bit about actually one of the most uh, important messages for all of eternity. This is probably the least talked about in the kingdom. That's right. You ready? (laughs) It's the judgment seat of Christ And um, Mick and I both uh, were deeply touched by a message from a man named Rick Howard, which I also would love for you to take a look at on YouTube, Rick Howard on the Judgment Seat of Christ. And hearing that message as a young believer for me stunned me at the reality of eternity, and that how I live my life matters and that actually eternity is longer than this life and eternity is not only a motivator, but it's something that shapes how I live my life. And I can say after hearing that message on the judgment seat of Christ some 35 years ago, uh, I have made, a thousand different decisions in light of the judgment seat of Christ that I wouldn't have made if I wouldn't have had that truth. So hopefully you're motivated already to listen about this, this message on the judgment seat of Christ. But Mick, let me let me just start off by um, asking you a, a little bit about the judgment seat of Christ. Explain it. Like, What does it mean for a believer? What's it mean for an unbeliever? What are we talking about when we talk about the judgment seat of Christ?
0: Yeah. Whenever I do this teaching, we start off asking, you know, what are some word associations when you hear the word judgment? And <laughs> m- most people have generally negative word associations yeah. that it's to be avoided, that it's condemnation. And when we think of the judgment of God, it's to be feared. And we just, we don't, we don't talk about it much. It's kind of muddied in people's minds. And, uh, but when I, you know, as you talk about being a young believer and coming across these teachings, and as I began to read the scriptures in college, uh, I found that God is actually praised for His judgments, mm-hmm. you know, all throughout the Psalms and wow. Isaiah, and started realizing I think I've been discipled more by the culture when it comes to this notion of judgment than by the Scriptures, and then hearing the judgment seat of Christ talk and, and how that and how that got framed. And so, based, you know, in a nutshell, um, this idea that God is judge Genesis one mm-hmm. one that He has all authority, He created all things, and and all throughout the scriptures, there's this theme. Uh, you talk about the day of the Lord, the mm-hmm. the, the day of judgment, that God as judge. When He shows up in Revelation one and reveals Himself to John, mm-hmm. He's wearing the the long robe, and the Greek word there is the poderis, and Rick talks about that in his talk. Mm-hmm. And, and that the poderis for early, you know, for these Greek listeners, they would have understood that's the robe of the judge. And so mm-hmm. here, Jesus at the end of time is. He has the final say, that there is a higher authority than just man's authority. Mm-hmm. And so how do we how do we think about that? And there are a lot of different judgments talked about in the scriptures. There's judgments of angels, judgments of nations, judgment for the nation of Israel. But for the individual, there are two primary judgments that are talked mm-hmm. about.
1: Now this is key, so slow it down here just a minute. So there's two primary judgments that we'll all experience. Like when I die or you die, when somebody around the world dies, when we die, we all appear before One of two places, so go for
0: it. Yeah, so uh, in Revelation chapter 20, uh, Jesus reveals to John that there is what uh, is called the Great White Throne Judgment because that's simply what the language that's used there. And that's the judgment of unbelievers, and I believe it's verses 11 through 15-ish. And it describes that that people will stand before God and, and they'll have to give an account for their lives and that those whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be cast into the, the eternal fire, the the second death, what we would refer to as hell. And that's a really difficult doctrine. I mean that's a really not just doctrine, but reality sure, and, sure. and as a as a as a disciple of Jesus, as a pastor, as a teacher, I've I've had to grapple with that de- uh, deeply, and it's a just a painful thing, and it, it just should be a very sobering reality for all of us to to deal with. And and just as an aside, I think you know in, in today's day and age, among uh, Christianity, there's been an attempt to do away with the doctrine of hell and this idea of the judgment of sin and. But you just actually, to be completely frank, I've tried to to do that myself, just mm-hmm. it's hard to deal with. Sure. But I can't, you just can't get around it. It's so mm-hmm. clear in the scriptures that there's a judgment of sin. And so this great white throne judgment is a judgment of sin for unbelievers, because for the believer, sin was judged at the cross. Right. So for, for those who've come under the, the lordship of Jesus, ask for the forgiveness of sins, We. Gain His righteousness. Our sin was judged at the cross, and so many passages of Scripture we could mm-hmm. we could look to. Uh, Romans eight is a is a great one. Uh, Jesus Himself in John five and elsewhere um, that that those who are in Christ do not come into judgment, and that word judgment mm-hmm. there is a judgment of sin. So mm-hmm. for the believer, sin was judged at the cross. Mm-hmm. For the unbeliever, sin will be judged at the great white throne judgment, a terrible thing. Yet, in the justice of God, it is right and righteous for God Mm -hmm. to judge sin. So that's one type of judgment for unbelievers. It's a judgment of sin. For the believer, though we are not going to be judged for Mm -hmm. our sin. And that's I just want to ask everybody to pause for a moment there. Oh, I was teary thinking about (laughs) that. That's a shocking thought, that past, present, and future sins for the believer that we're not going to come into judgment for. That, that violates most of our, our senses of, of justice. and yeah, But Romans 8, 1 and 2 is clear, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, and mm-hmm. the law of the spirit of life has done away with the law of, this, of mm-hmm. sin and death, and et cetera. Uh, but we still do have a judgment that we're gonna mm-hmm. undergo. And I remember wrestling with this, again, early on in college and wondering, okay, if I'm not gonna be judged for my sin, what are the consequences of my actions? Mm-hmm. And there, there are many, but... Yeah. Uh, one of them is what Paul addresses in Second Corinthians 5, and then again in First Corinthians 3, and, and it's referred to elsewhere. And the Greek word that's used, the Greek word bema, which mm-hmm. uh, it, it, for these early listeners, they would have understood what Paul was getting right. at, because yeah. they had The this, Greeks understood it.
1: It was pretty straightforward. So They had
0: yeah. the Ismian Games, the predecessor to the Olympic Games, and they would have these, these kind of stands for evaluation, the bema seat, where they would evaluate good, better, best. Not... Good, bad, but good, better, best. It mm-hmm. was an evaluation of reward. Mm-hmm. And so Paul breaks this down essentially in First Corinthians 3, verses 10 through 15. And, and you can go look at that passage for yourself. But that the believer will stand before Jesus, give an account for their life, and, and the quality, the substance of their life is going to be tested with fire. And Paul uses these different materials, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, He says the wood, hay, and straw are going to burn up, but that which remains is rewarded to the believer. Mm. Uh, And then some will actually have the entire substance of their lives burned up, but they themselves will be saved, but as though through fire. Mm. So I think that the the freeing thing here, actually the shocking revelation of this doctrine is that believers no longer undergo a judgment of sin that was dealt with at the cross. But our judgment is one of reward. And loss of reward, not a judgment of sin, mm-hmm. and there's so many things about that that are amazing and should cause us to worship and mm-hmm. be in awe, and be sobered because the the decisions we make as believers, the way we conduct our lives, matters not just for the here and now, but in an, in an eternal sense.
1: Yeah, you know, I was uh, looking here at Second Corinthians five nine. You were uh, referencing First Corinthians three. It says, therefore, we make it our aim, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing Mm -hmm. to him. I can can tear up to that, right? That what is our ambition? To be fully pleasing to him. And then he uses the motivation. For when we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done uh, in his body. And he's saying, I want to be pleasing to God not just out of his love for me, but also out of my response to the life he's given me. Mm-hmm. That he gave me life, not only salvation, but he gave me a life to live, a purpose to live for. The He gave me, you know, um, I like to say he put his spirit within us. He told us how to live life. He told us what mattered. He told us how to get rewarded. He said, I'll reward you in this life and in the one to come. So he gave us the the answers to the test and he gave us the power to take the test. Right. And then we decide not to take the test or not, not, you know, not to walk in it. Yeah. So it is this incredible grace-based thing that we ultimately are giving account for. We're not giving account for human effort. We're giving account for... The grace that was given to us. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about the judgment seat of Christ is that it is, yes, I will be evaluated. I will, my life's work will be either thrown as beautiful crowns and jewels at his feet, or I will find out what was wood, hay and stubble. But in one way, I shouldn't be that surprised when I get there because he already told me how to live my life. Um, uh, And um, that is a grace-based message of judgment of justice, I'll be rewarded. Uh, and not kicked out. Actually I'm in by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I just I, I I love that because it's not based on me. It's just based it is based on my submission to God and my partnership with God, but it's not based on my human effort alone. Give yeah. me a little more thought on that.
0: Yeah, I think I, I really Fascinating parallel passages, Ephesians two, one through ten. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And in you know, in verses one through three, Paul establishes that we're all dead in our trespasses yeah. and sins. And then, you know, four through nine is the gospel, it's but God by his yeah. great grace and and that not by any works that any man would boast. Mm-hmm. So verses one through nine describing just the incredible gift of salvation. Right. And then in verse ten it says, For we are Christ's workmanship, created in him for good works, right. which he prepared mm-hmm. In oh, advance and and alluding to sanctification, this process after salvation mm-hmm. for how we live our lives and and the the way I like to think of it is for my for my family we have four boys uh, eleven nine eight and six so mm-hmm. no lack of uh, energy in our house these days mm-hmm. uh, but when we come up to Father's Day or or at the time of this recording actually my birthday is tomorrow and so what my wife does is she'll give each kid you know five ten bucks to they'll go to target or wherever and, and they each get to pick something out and so i've ended up with plaques that say you know world's greatest dad or yeah. things i would never buy for myself <laughs> um and and they get to wrap it and they put a little card on it and they give it to me now in reality i bought the the gift yes because I, as, right now you know i'm the sole income earner in my family sure. and so they got some, you know, the, some means to go out and to buy this gift and, and they're buying things I would never go buy for myself. Right. But when I unwrap it and I see the look on their face and, and hear the backstory of why they chose what they chose and it melts my heart as yeah. a dad. Yeah. And I think that's a, something of a helpful metaphor for what's going on here that um, the, the gift is a, is a free gift, the gift of salvation. But then even the things that God plans for us to do in this life He's prepared in advance. He's Mm -hmm. made. um, It's by His agency. He's made the provision for Mm -hmm. us to do. You know whether it's this ministry I lead or this business I've started, this family I'm raising. It's by His grace. It's Mm -hmm. by His power. Yes. And then we get to present it back to Him. These things that He's prepared in advance. Mm as a gift of love, and, and really there, the exchange becomes one of fellowship, of intimacy, of relationship, mm-hmm. and not so much what I can produce for God. Because all I'm doing is mining out what He's already put in my path yes. to do. He has made uh, made it, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's made, it, uh, uh, made me able to yes. walk in something that He has prepared in advance, and then I get rewarded for it. Yes. That's an amazing thing. I, I bring very little to this equation, I think is the bottom line, what I'm sure. trying to, yeah, uh, emphasize here the heavy lifting is all on God's shoulders he saves he then makes provision for me to s- store up treasures in heaven to come into these rewards my participation then is to mine out what he's already put in my path yeah
1: I, I love Philippians two thirteen. for his God who is at work in me but the will and to work for his good pleasure mm-hmm. so it's God who puts in me everything I need to then live out the life that he intended that brings him pleasure. Right. So he's, uh, you know, we often say, uh, if I, if I was God, I wouldn't risk, uh, you know, world evangelization on man, but in some ways he actually hasn't because he's put inside of man, his spirit to be able to do his will. If, uh, and the only response that man needs to do is just humbly respond and um, I, I love that. So let's let's shift a little bit because when we talk about rewards and eternal rewards and rewards in this life, but we don't often think that way. We're just kind of trying to grind it out, hoping our good outweighs our bad. And, you know, we don't mess up too much or we meet have some encounter with God here and there. But it's much deeper and wider than that. And and, and there is some specific unpacking. Um, and you help me out here. I've got a few crowns in my mind that... Uh, there is um, what's called the soul winner's crown, the crown of rejoicing, like when a sinner repents, there's rejoicing in heaven, it's called the soul winner's crown. In Proverbs it says, he who is wise wins souls. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not about human effort, how many people did I coerce to pray or prayer, but when we pray for the lost, share the gospel, um, uh, pray with people to receive Christ, there is a great rejoicing in heaven, it says, for a sinner who repents, but then there is also reward for us that we opened our mouth, that we shared the gospel, that we participated as a witness of God. So that's one reward for all of us. And what I find on all these rewards, that they will be rewarded on that day. I'll look to my left and my right, men from every tribe, tongue, people, nation, and somebody will step up and say, you shared the gospel with me in Indonesia. Or you shared the gospel with me at the 7-Eleven. I will get to see the reward of that in the presence of God and people. That is stunning. Mm-hmm. But I also find out when I'm consistently sharing the gospel in this life, I get a reward. Like I understand the gospel more when I share it more. When I see how powerful it impacts somebody, I get great joy. So all these rewards that God is asking us to contend with and for or to or these works he's asking us to walk in have both an earthly satisfaction to them because they're eternal and they have an eternal reward for them forever so i think about the soul winner's crown. crown another one is blessed are those who love his appearing
0: okay. the watchers the, crown. The, the wa- yeah. they
1: call it the watcher's crown isn't that a unique yeah. one yeah that um i am anticipating the coming of the Lord. And I live in light of that. You know, a lot of great moves of God through the earth have been motivated by this sense of the end is coming. A lot of people have asked me, you know, with everything going on in our world and the pandemic and everything else, is this the end? Are we in, you know, the end of the time? And and I thought, man, try living as a Jew in World War II. Uh, that, That was... That's apocalyptic, mm-hmm. right? Or mm-hmm. different things, plagues that were killing half of a Europe or whatever. There's been some more difficult times practically, but, you know... Who knows, right? Uh, God isn't telling us the hour, but those who live in anticipation, I can't wait to Mm -hmm, see him. mm -hmm. I I, I long for him more than I do this earth. I'm living in a reality of seeing him face to face and and praying that he would come quickly because I want pain and destruction to end. That's a beautiful one to meditate on.
0: So there's a couple help help me out yeah actually to comment on that one too i I, one time i felt like the lord told me that 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 is a litmus test of my love for him is is the level of anticipation anticipation of his coming of his return and just thinking of like when my wife leaves you know goes to on some trip she's been training to become a real estate agent so she's gone away for a few days at a time and there's a there's an expectation a longing for her to come back and and uh and so i've often woken up and And been uh, reminded of that question of would I be if Jesus returned today would I be surprised right like oh my gosh you know (laughs) I didn't I thought it was real but you know or would there be like yes today I I thought it might have been today you know wanted and uh, but yeah so uh, all these different references to these ways to store up treasures in in heaven and not on earth and there's five different crowns that are mentioned there are these. Uh, all these different metaphors used, like a white stone in the book of Revelation, or different garments. And I think when I pan way back, what I see is that, is that Jesus is promising that if you'll narrow your life and live according to my ways in fellowship with me, empowered by my spirit, that, that it's actually uh, producing that which is eternal, mm-hmm. as opposed to when I kind of look inward and, and try to operate out mm-hmm. of my own flesh and pursue my own selfish desires it is gonna. It's just gonna be vaporized at, mm-hmm. at the end of time. Like it won't amount to anything in mm-hmm. terms of substance for, for or eternal value. And um, and so, uh, as my wife and I have sought to order our steps, mm-hmm. this idea of living in light of eternity has changed everything. Yeah. And kind of to your point, Jimmy, at the beginning of this podcast, that uh, this teaching early on as a follower of Jesus, it was shocking and sobering to mm-hmm. think that. Not only am I saved, I'm in. And, you know, and you watch Paul follow this logic in his letter to the Romans too. He he anticipates that. Okay, I'm I'm saved by grace through faith. So can I just do whatever I want now and right. live however yeah. I want? And he's he's just you know he's put right. off by that question. By no means exclamation mark. You know, mm-hmm. how can we who are dead to sin continue to live in it mm-hmm. and to realize that every conversation, every decision, every uh, issue of stewardship, whether it's time or finances or uh, our responses to people our, our are lang- are every idle word is going to be mm. evaluated at mm. the end that should that should put the fear oh, of god in yeah. all of us but but it's not a again it's because of the judgment seat doctrine it's not this fearful anticipation what it is it's an invitation to yeah. uh, to this this idea of reward that i can conduct my life in such a way to to store up rewards and, and again crowns or jewels or stones or you know i don't know if that's literal or figurative i have a feeling probably a lot of that's figurative but some notion of i i can live in such a way as to impact eternity i can use yeah, these right. 10 20 30 50 60 70 mm-hmm. years however many years i have ahead of me that will impact literally billions upon billions. I don't even know how we'll conceive of time, but sure. the exchange should be laughable to us, that if mm-hmm. it causes us to narrow our lives now and maybe give up on something that would be perceived as a as a you know a fleeting or a passing Temple pleasure, pleasure, right? pleasure right? Mm-hmm. that what we what we gain in exchange should so dwarf. And I think of second Corinthians four, where Paul's saying, you know. Uh, these light and momentary troubles, which for him were shipwreck-beating, imprisonment, are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far surpasses, you know. So I I think the message to the church in this passage, in this doctrine is lift your eyes, you know. Mm. Look, live life in light of eternity. It just frames everything. It puts our suffering in perspective. It puts our difficulties in perspective. It doesn't minimize them, but it it just puts everything in perspective. It gets our eyes on Jesus and this idea of being with him eternally. And, mm-hmm. and, and again, and I have more thoughts on the motivation behind storing up treasures, but yeah. yeah. A few thoughts there.
1: Well, uh, man, there's so many things we could talk about. I just wanna make sure that we referenced again Rick Howard, Judgment Seat of Christ. You can go to YouTube. We did a message. You can go to Antioch Waco's YouTube. I did a message on this as well. But I, I, wanna, I wanna just close with a couple more thoughts here. Um, um, the, I believe it was uh, John Wesley or Luther, one of the two. Maybe you can help me, Mick. But he said, I'm living, living for two days, this day and that day. Hmm. Those are the two that I can affect. I can affect this day. Today, give me this day a daily bread. Let me live unto God. Let me live in love with God and... Uh, in care of others, whether that's for sharing the gospel or loving a friend or caring for somebody in need, that is what will be rewarded. It's it's about intimacy with God and care for people. It's about Him and them. That's the summary of the Bible. That's the summary of okay. the New Testament, and the implication is, and God cares for us even as He asks us to care for others. So, um, so when I think about the judgment seat of Christ, when I think of reward or loss of reward, I see it. Uh, ultimately is the full expression of love now made manifest. As I love God day by day, there's be a great reward for that. He says that he rewards those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 6, even my faith towards him and my seeking of him, he rewards in this life and in the life to come. And um, this, um, this whole idea has shaped and framed my whole thinking. But once, but not so that I'm accepted by God or not accepted by God. Man, when you're done with, he can't love me any more than he already does because he is God and I am not. His unconditional love is sure. So you are accepted because of the cross, but what you do matters mm-hmm. here and there. So lastly, I've got this one little thing in this room where we're doing the filming. It's my prayer room area. And i um, years ago, God spoke to me to prepare to be 80 years old. Now, if you're listening to this and I live beyond 80, praise the Lord. And if I go to be the Lord before 80, praise the Lord. He just said, prepare to be 80. He didn't say I would be an exact age. So everybody settled down. All right. So, but because of that, I have a marker in my life. It's 29,200 days. That's how many days praying to be 80. Then I'm looking at the board right now. I spent uh, 21,000 and 89 days. That's how many I've already spent. So I have left a little over 8,100 days according to that word that God spoke over me. I do that every day that I'm down here. Some days I'm out of town or not down here, but I I remind myself and under it, it says, this is the day. So I've got one more day. So I don't know what your response is to this message. Uh, our hope is that it caused you to dig in the scriptures more on the judgment seat of Christ, and look at some of the teachings, references that we said. But more than anything, we've got this day and we have mm-hmm. that day when you love Him and you love them all as well. Can I add one more thought yeah, on that, please. Jimmy? Just yeah. that
0: that this, I think this is huge because I, I think a lot of our listeners, when you hear the word uh, reward, it conjures up this kind of performance, yeah. you know, approach right. to spirituality of you know, I gotta compete or perform in such a way as to gain this reward. But this is all about relationship. And, yes. And one experience I had years ago helped me kind of reframe or, or understand this, put this in this right context. And it was around Valentine's Day and and uh, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist by nature. I don't like a bunch of stuff. I don't wear a bunch of jewelry or you know buy a bunch of stuff. But but my wife is very extravagant in the way that she um, spends money. Compared to you. We compared know, to me. She's not that extravagant.
1: Go ahead, Mick.
0: <laughs> and, and early on, that, that irked me. But I came to see she really displays the generosity of spirit, the, the Jesus' yes, generosity absolutely. of spirit through the way she gives gifts and so on. And it was her 30th birthday coming up. She's crazy. That was 10 years ago because she's turning 40 this year. But... Um, uh, spent a lot of money on her, blessed her and, and was very joyful about it. But right after that Valentine's day rolled around and I didn't want to spend any money on Valentine's day. And we had a little bit of a disagreement over that. And she was put off by my fleshliness really about spending money. And, and, but Valentine's day rolled around and I hadn't bought anything for her. And I set her up that I wasn't going to buy gifts or flowers or cards or whatever, but we go out and eat a nice dinner and be together. And And, uh, but that afternoon I saw a woman walk out of a building holding a big bouquet of flowers and she was beaming Mm -hmm. and, and all of a sudden I had this feeling of being empty handed. Like Mm -hmm. I'm about to go pick up my wife for our date. We're going to go to you a restaurant, eat dinner together, but I have nothing to, to give her as a Mm -hmm. symbol of Mm -hmm. value, as a symbol of love. And, and so I went to the grocery store. I mean, super low bar. This is terrible. But you know, got flowers, got the card, got whatever, a couple other things. And, you know, went home and, and made this little presentation and she got home from work and was, was blessed, you know, by mm-hmm. this exchange. I had something to yeah. give her. I was reflecting on that experience a couple weeks later and it, for me, and this is just kind of my own revelation and, you know, take this with the grain of salt, but as I read the scriptures and what I feel like God revealed to me in that moment about rewards was that it's ultimately not for me. Right. That my belief is that when we see Jesus mm. on that day, capital D, that day of consummation, that day of judgment, and see him in his worth and his value and his beauty, I think that we are going to be compelled to whatever we have to just throw it back at his feet and mm. to give it back to him. And I, for me, that's the motivation now for for storing up treasures mm. in heaven. It's not so that I have a bigger house or a bunch of jewelry or I don't know how we conceive of the new heavens and the new earth, but it's so that when I see Jesus face to face, I think some people who, because Paul talks about there will be people who have nothing to show for their lives mm. even though they're saved. I think, you know, I don't know ex- so, ex- exactly what they'll feel, but when they see Jesus and they have nothing to give him, that that mm. they've shown up for the date, so to speak, and they're empty handed, I think there's gonna be a tremendous sense of loss yes. of how yeah. I squandered my life. Yeah. yeah. Jesus, I wish I, I, I thought I knew, but I wish I would have known how worthy and just how beautiful and mm. valuable and glorious you are. I would have narrowed my life and wish I had more. But for those who narrowed their lives, you have tremendous you know, reward mm. to be able to throw it back at his feet. And before you think this you know, is too extra biblical, you see that in Revelation 4, that yeah. this throne room scene, that whenever these creatures are giving right. honor and glory to the Lamb, to Jesus, that mm. the elders, who I, th- I think represent the people of God, they fall on their face and they throw, they cast their crowns Browns. before mm-hmm. the throne. And so to me, that's a, a, a relational paradigm, yeah. a relational motivation that at the revelation of the beauty mm. of Jesus, there's going to be a, a desire to have something of substance, a life that we mm. live that says, I knew you were worthy. I didn't know you were this worthy, but mm. here's my life. I'll lay it mm. down at his feet. Mm. Love it. Well, Kelly,
1: I just want to pray. Yeah. So <laughs> Jesus, good. we, we come before your throne of grace, which is wide open today. Spirit of the living God, would you give us revelation of your love for us, your love for humanity, and your love to reward those who are your own on that day. God, we pray that the relational beauty of the fullness of the richness of the revelation of the judgment seat of Christ would hit our hearts and compel us to live wholeheartedly for you and receive the richness of the reward, not only in this life, but fully and completely on that day and then for eternity. We love you, Jesus. We honor
0: you. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmyseibert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.